you know, what I work with people is first, I want to know what lifestyle you want to have, because we want to build this to revolve around your lifestyle. Because there are people that say, listen, man, I hate my job. I want to be out in six months and I'm done. I never want to see that thing again. And I want to travel and right. That's one type of lifestyle. And then you have another lifestyle where it's someone, a guy like myself, let's say a woman like myself that has two kids and they're in school and they're in high school. And, you know, we're not going anywhere and they may have a job and they love their job and they like what they do. They want to add another two, three, four thousand dollars to their income so that they can, you know, live worry-free because they they enjoy what they do you know the guy's a you know an engineer a doctor or, you know whatever it is but they love what they do what's going on guys this is the passive wealth strategy show the show that will help you escape the wall street casino and build wealth on main street by investing in real estate today our guest is nitsan mosery today we're learning a few very important lessons that he's learned over his years ranged pretty broadly this conversation to be honest with you Nitsan is a successful real estate investor, but he didn't start that way. He had years of experience as a, a young man traveling the world. And in a few times throughout his worldly travels, he found himself broke and homeless. And we learn about one of those experiences in particular and what allowed him, what enabled him, the behaviors, the, the mindset that enabled him to push through that, see the course to become successful, and then ultimately really get to where he is today as a successful real estate investor who helps other people build wealth and become financially independent through real estate investing. Very successful guy. We learn all about his real estate investing history, what he thinks about where the market is today, and the biggest misconceptions that new real estate investors have when they're first getting started, the ones that he sees with folks that he mentors and coaches as a, you know, getting them into real estate investing. So a lot of great stuff in this one. You're going to learn so much. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, I'm a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. I would really appreciate if you're an Apple Podcast user and you haven't done so yet, please take a second, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me the warm and fuzzies because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. We appreciate that feedback so much. No matter what podcast app you use, if you haven't done so yet, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, hit the subscribe button, that way you'll get every new episode straight to your mobile device every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Once again, our guest is Nitsan Mosery. We're learning a number of lessons from his time pre-real estate investing when he went through some tough times, what enabled him to be successful, push forward, and then his perspective right now as a successful real estate investor, what's going on in the market, and what folks kind of get wrong when they first become real estate investors. So much great stuff in here. Without any further ado, here we go with Nitsan. Nitsan, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Taylor. I'm excited to learn more about your story and, and share that with our listeners today. We've met a couple of times in person, but I don't know that I know your whole story and I know it's very fascinating. So for our listeners out there, can you tell us a bit about what you do now? And then we'll dive into you know where you came from. Sure. Well, right now I do a couple of things. I'm a I'm a owner operator of multifamily apartment complexes. Um, we go out and we look for properties that have a lot of value adds, some deferred maintenance, maybe property management issues, things that we can add value to the property or bring a solution to, and thus create more value for our investors and whatnot. Um, that's kind of what we do. I also have a property management company. 
that we started in the beginning of 2020, uh, and uh, it's been growing. It's it's fantastic, and we do uh, we work with the property management company. We work a lot with the owners and the owners' investors. So we help the owner with the distribution and financials for their investors and so forth. So we're not just a property management company. We do other aspects of the investment syndication back office work. Uh, and I also am a coach and mentor for people who want to get started in real estate, be it if they want to um, renovate and flip homes wholesale or buy multifamily apartment complexes using other people's money. I can help them and show them how to do that as well. Awesome. And you have so much going on right now. That's great. And I, hopefully in a little bit, we can get into uh, the experience of starting a, a property management company, how you go about that and everything. But before we get there, you you have, a, a like I said before, an interesting background, spend time traveling the world. And then now you got to the point where you, you have, I don't want to bury the lead too much, but can you tell us about that experience and, and being homeless several times and all those uh, interesting things around that? Yeah, sure. So yeah, I'm first-generation American. My, my parents came over from Israel uh, in 1969. And then I was born, um, first, like I said, first generation American and, uh, you know, grew up in a family that, um, always, uh, drilled into our minds, you know, own a piece of land. You know, if you own a free and clear, you're the richest person in the world and, you know, you can do with it, whatever you want. So, you know, real estate was always in the back of our minds. Right. Um, and my, you know, when we growing up worked around that, worked on Wall Street. And then at the age of 25, um, my father passed away. And that kind of threw me for a, a big downward loop, um, a, a downward spiral. And I kept asking the question, you know, what, what, what's life, you know, what's, what's the meaning of life? You know, you can't just sit here and bust our asses and work and then, you know, live a couple of years and then die from an illness and, and this, and, you know, just a lot of crazy things. So, I went on a drinking uh, binge for about two years, and then um, I decided to move to Israel, back to where my family's from. So I moved I moved back to Israel. I was on the beach for about six to eight months, and then my friend said, you know, he's going to India. So I went and I traveled. I said, I'm going with you. And I started traveling, and uh, I traveled for about six years. And during that time, um, I become homeless uh, about three times. So I landed in Portugal. And when I landed in Portugal, my bag where I had all of my uh, merchandise, um, I, I was in India for a year and I learned how to make jewelry and do certain things. So I had a lot of um, a lot of jewelry and a lot of uh, ready um, necklaces and things like that to be sold. And that's how I was making my money at that time. That bag never arrived. So I didn't have any clothes. I didn't have any uh, way of making money. And I was going to a festival at that time to make money so that I continue with my travels. And I didn't have any way of making money. So I suddenly became, uh, I found myself with no clothes, no money. Um, I had, I don't know, maybe $400 to my name, no tent, no sleeping bag, just my documents and a couple of money in a little, you know, pouch that I had. And I was, I had nowhere to go. I was in Portugal at this time. And, um, so I found myself a nice little private beach that not many people went to um, after walking from Lisbon all the way up the, the coast and, and whatnot for many, many hours. And that's kind of where I camped out for many, many months and weeks. I camped out there and I would make my way into town. Okay. And 
during that time, when I was in India, I learned massage therapy and I learned Reiki and then I became a Reiki master and whatnot, which is energy healing. So I didn't have a way of making money through my jewelry and whatnot. So I started going to the different, you know, holistic centers and whatnot and putting my name out there. And uh, because I, I had a choice, I said, do I go out now and beg for money? Like most people who are homeless and don't have any, any food or money or, or anything, what do I do? I have a choice. Do I beg for money or do I figure it out? Well, I said, I'm never going to beg for money. That's just, that's just not the way to do it, right? It's all, it's all a mindset. Um, I said, I have to figure out how to make money. Okay, I, I started looking. What, what, what can I do? What do I have? What, you know, I can work construction. I can work this. I can, whatever I can do. So I would go and I would look for work. I didn't speak Portuguese, so nobody would hire me. I'm not a European <laughs> citizen, so nobody's going to hire me. Mm-hmm. I had to figure out how to make money. So I started make, doing Reiki sessions and massage therapies for people. And the word got around and the word got around and the word got around. And I started having bigger Reiki groups and I was teaching Reiki now. And, and, and from nothing, I kind of became a, uh, you know, this, this, the talk of the town of this little village, because there's this guy living on the beach. And at that time I had long uh, dreadlocks and I had a long goatee over here. So I really looked the part. Um, And they were like, there's this guy you know, on the beach over there. And he's doing this incredible stuff. And more people came and more people came. And by not accepting my place and my position of being homeless, and, you know, I could have sat there and and freaked out. I'm, I'm in a foreign country. I have no way of buying a plane ticket home. I have no food, no home, no shelter, nothing. That would freak somebody out. You know, I didn't know anybody in Portugal. It's not that I had friends there. First time ever being there. So it was a mindset of, okay, well, this is a situation that I'm in. How do I get out of it? Right. What are my options? So you, you know, you started uh, teaching and presumably started making some money that way. And then how did you ultimately, you know, I suppose recover and, you know, get, get back to the United States really, because you had to, you didn't freak out, right. You didn't accept that situation, but you know, there's still a pretty big gap between that and where you stand today, becoming a real estate investor, sure. all that stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, from there, I, I, I kept on traveling for many, many more years. Right. So I went on traveling and then I met my wife and then I settled in Israel. And then in 2009, so I settled in Israel. We went back to Israel after we met because I continued traveling. So I made money in Portugal and then I started going all around Europe. And then I went back to Southeast Asia and then down to South America and did all Central and, and the South and Central America. And during that time, that's what I was doing. I was making more jewelry. I was selling, uh, I was selling jewelry, doing Reiki, doing all these different things that I was able to do with all these different skill sets. And then in 2009, I moved back to the States and I moved to Florida. And the reason why we moved to Florida is because the, uh, the economy was, was tanking, right? It was the 08 crash. Mm-hmm. So I said, let's go back to Florida or let's go back to the States. We can, you know, buy a house or two, live there for a year, fix it up, sell it and continue moving and continue traveling. Cause remember we're, you know, my wife and I were, were these hippies, you know, we were, <laughs> you know, long haired hippies, right. We, we, we just uh, had our first daughter. She was born. Right? We had our second daughter. She was just born. And we're like, okay, we, we have nothing to do, right. Let's just travel. Let's keep traveling. Um, we came to Florida. We're supposed to live here for a year. And it's been 12 years now. So after, you know, just flipping houses because they were so cheap, 
right? I was buying a house, three bedroom, two bath home for $16,000. You don't need to be a a genius to know that it costs more than $16,000 to build a concrete block house. (laughs) That's true. So I was talking to my friends who I knew had money and, you know, they were looking at me going, look at you. You were just traveling for, for seven, eight years. You're, you're, you're a hippie. What do you know about real estate? So I had to really work hard in showing them um, the value of the property, showing them that I had a, a team of contractors behind me, right? I had to learn all this on the fly. There was nobody teaching me this stuff, right? Cause here I am, I'm in Florida. I'm from New York originally, right? So I've been out of the country at this time for about 15 years and I'm not going back to New York. I'm coming to Florida. So I didn't know anybody and I didn't know the markets. I didn't know the area. So I had to learn it really quickly, really fast, right? I had to, I I had a learning curve that I had to flatten really fast. Um, So I was driving for dollars, looking at different neighborhoods, you know, doing these crazy things where if I'd see a house and I couldn't figure out who owned it, I would put a for sale sign with my phone number on his front yard. And of course, you know, that day I get a phone call. Hey, why is your sign on my front yard? Oh, well, you know, sorry, it's a mistake, right? And get to talk to them. (laughs) But I had to learn all that. I had to learn how to create my team. I learned how to do all that. And I started flipping houses. I was wholesaling. I was doing double closes. I was uh, renovating, you know, I was holding for rent, right? Renovating and holding for rent and doing all that. And, and, but what I saw was that the housing crisis was coming to an end. A lot, there were a lot less houses on the market. More people were coming into the market, right? There, you have, there, every market cycle has telltale signs and you got to be really sensitive to these signs so that you can read where the market's at right now and, and what your strategy is going into that market, into that cycle. So I was seeing more people coming onto the market, buying houses, houses were, were increasing. And I remember the exact day when I said, I'm done flipping houses for now, because it's, it's, it's tough. I was seeing a house not too far from where I live. Uh, half of the house was completely burnt. So there's only half of a house existing. The other half was, was gone. The hell is, what do you do with that? I offered $100,000 for that house. They wanted 90. I said, I'll give you 100 because I wanted that house. I knew the value of it. Mm. People coming in at 120, 140, 150, 160. (laughs) I said, I'm done. I said, this is what's going on for a burnt house. And, you know, a new house in that that neighborhood, okay, maybe 200, $300,000. It wasn't huge. You're not buying a million dollar home for a $100,000 home, right? I was doing the 150 to $300,000 range. So I saw that coming to an end and I wanted to get out of it because I also realized that. Whenever I'm flipping a house, I'm not making, or, you know, if I, once I sell it, I'm not making any more money until I find another house, either rent it, renovate it, or flip it. I'm not making any more money. Mm-hmm. And being as lazy as I am, I don't like to work so hard. So I have to figure <laughs> out a way, I have to figure out a way how I can generate income passively. Now, my father had been in, you know, real estate before, and he'd always told us, you know, there's two types of people, those that pay rent and those that collect and son always collect, Right. Um, but I never got into multifamily in New York because it's a, a tenant-friendly state. True. Right. So I didn't want to deal with that. So we dealt with with um, commercial in New York, but I always wanted to be in residential. I think it was a great aspect because people always need a place to live, right? As we saw in the last downturn, offices got trashed, commercial got trashed, right? Strip malls got trashed, uh, but apartments is a great hedge against inflation, against the recession, against all that because 
whatever happens, people lose their jobs, people lose their houses, right? Where do they go? They go to apartments to live, right? And and as as more people move into that apartment or, or multifamily sector, you know, you're doing a good, you know, you're, you're providing a place for them to live in a good market. Again, it's not rocket science, but I needed someone to teach me what to look for and what to do. So I went and I found myself a mentor, the same guy that we that we know, right? And I learned from him. And it was the same kind of concept, but just more numbers. And, you know, there, there's certain things that you got to look for. And, and But the concept is the same. Find the right neighborhood. Find a good neighborhood. Find a property that you can add value to, right? Understand where what the telltale signs of, of where that market is in the cycle, right? So you know what your strategy is. Am I buying and holding for a while? Or am I going to buy, fix up a little bit, and then quickly sell it? Right. Do I not want to do anything right now or do I want to buy everything that is on the market, depending on where you are in that cycle? So I did that. And little by little, you know, you, you grow and you grow and you grow um, there. Are, you know, I, I look at people, you know, you got to always just keep your eyes on the target. Right. But sometimes you look left, sometimes you look right because you want to see what other people are doing. Gauge. Right. And there are people that are doing more. There are people that are doing less. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm looking now at myself and I'm saying, what are we doing and where do I, where do we want to go with this and how fast do we want to take it and how big? So it's been a great evolution from uh, going to being a traveling hippie to the traveling investor. Well, I, you know, you told me, I think the first time we met that you used to be a hippie or something like that. And I still have a hard time picturing it to be honest with you, but you know, I'll take your <laughs> word for it. It's, it's, it's hard to add that extra hair on there, I suppose. Um, but you know, you, identified at the time when when the real estate market years ago was at least in Florida starting to kind of get back to where it was there was more competition in the space all that and i think the whole time i've been a real estate investor there have been people saying oh it's too competitive you know it's it's we're headed for the crash da, 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 da. here we are in 2021 where that didn't happen but it is more competitive now than it was in the past so mm-hmm. with that perspective in mind what are your thoughts about where we stand today in the market Wow, it's 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 a crazy place, you know. I never bought in South Florida because South Florida properties were always trading at a four cap, four or five cap rate. Mm-hmm. Miami and Fort Lauderdale in that area, right? So I always went outside of South Florida. Went to you know Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Texas, Oklahoma, you know, different areas that are are grown, but they're not like you know at that time were crazy ridiculous areas as they are today. And now it doesn't matter, you know, if you're in Georgia, if you're in North Carolina or whatnot, or Oklahoma, B properties, B properties and A properties are all pretty much trading at the same cap rate. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So now we have to readjust and say, okay, well, what do we do? You know, do we, do we go out there and do like what everybody else is doing and buy three and four caps and hedge against inflation continuing to grow? Because we know that inflation grows, rents grow, right? That, that's how things go, mm-hmm. right? Everything is becoming more expensive. The, the problem is that people aren't making more money. So it's an interesting time to be in real estate. I'll tell you this, though. I was looking at the, the National Association of Realtors projections and you know um, statistics, and up until recently, there have been a lot of properties coming on the market, residential properties, and prices were still going up, which is a phenomenon because usually when, when the market is flooded, prices are going down, right? Mm-hmm. More properties on the market, 
it's you know people have more of a choice to choose they they start to to wait and see what the best deal is right so properties stay on the market longer but here we it was different more properties came on and people were still paying more and more and more now prices are starting to come down in the residential so what do we do right i'm saying right now let's wait let's look at that let's look at next month at that at that chart what is it saying that our price is going back up now or are they oh they're continuing to go down i'll give you an example i'm looking for um, a house to buy in the mountains of Georgia, Tennessee, the Carolinas, to be used as an Airbnb. And also for us, when we want to go for, for vacation and summer and, and into the mountains. So we've been noticing that a lot of properties have not been appraising. The appraisal appraised value has been coming lower than the purchase price. But what we've seen is that people are willing to pay that delta between purchase price and appraised value, mm-hmm. Right. Up until a couple of weeks ago, or two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, where now we're seeing appraised values still being where they were, but purchase prices coming down, houses staying on the market a little bit longer. Oh, there's another price reduction. Here's another price reduction. Again, you got to be very sensitive to these things. I'm not saying that we're going to have a, a crash, but these are telltale signs of, is this starting to happen? So if this is starting to happen, I would wait. I would wait continue to underwrite, continue to analyze, continue to look at the market, keep going. You may find a diamond in the rough and you go, holy, oh my God, let's buy it. But if you have the opportunity to hold off and to wait and to wait and see what, what's going on, because I mean, I, I don't know if this could last much longer, mm-hmm. you know? And you're right. People have been saying for years, oh, it's going to crash. Oh, the, the bubble is going to burst. The bubble is going to burst. The burst, the, the, the bubble, the bubble. <laughs> bubble. It's a super elastic bubble because it, it keeps expanding and expanding and expanding. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I wish I had a, a direct answer for you. But what I can do is just share with people what I'm seeing in the market right now. You know, I'm underwriting a property at a 1.9 cap rate. Wow. Whoa. I, who? Who? Now, now lenders are playing into this as well. Right. So lenders are going, listen, we're not, you, you know, if you're buying it at a three cap or three and a half or, you know, stabilized four cap. Wow. That's like the new norm now, right? They're saying, well, your, your cash flow won't cover the debt service. You're not making enough for 1.25 debt coverage ratio. If you go with an institutional lender, um, because they're not going to give you a lot of IO, a lot of interest only years. So better now is to go into a bridge loan where you'll get minimum, you know, or I don't know, minimum, but you'll get, a, you know, three years of interest only with possible one extra year so that your cash flow is strong. And then in year three, you either refi or sell. That, that's very, that's very skinny for me. Mm-hmm. Very skinny because, you know, a lot, you never know what's going to happen. And three years flies by. And next thing you know, you either got to sell this puppy or you got to refi. And who knows what's going to happen because the market right now is very volatile, right? But yet again, I'm watching all these big hedge funds and REITs and all these big players coming in and buying these forecasts. Yeah, they're really diving in. They're really betting on the continued appreciation of real estate in general. That's right. So now, you know, what do they know that I don't know? You know, they're analysts, you know, they, they've got hundreds of analysts that are way smarter than I am. 
but I can only call it as I see it, right? These guys, maybe they can risk losing millions and millions of dollars and they'll just write it off on their books and it'll be good for everybody. I can't afford to do that to my investors, right? I got to be very, you know, hmm, but, profitable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I see a lot of my colleagues also, right? They're going out and they're buying. I know a guy who just bought 1200 units, Wow. you know? Wow. And he's got another 500 on the contract, you know? I guess if you're willing to go in at a four cap and you're betting against that inflation to, you know, to, to ride that, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're, you know, but who knows? Let's see. Only time will tell. Well, now you're at the point where you help other folks build independence, financial independence with real estate. You coach and mentor. And I'd like to ask, what are the biggest, maybe one or two misconceptions that folks have when they kind of come into the space and they say, hey, I'm interested in doing this? What do they really, you know, tend to not understand at the beginning? Top, you know, one two things. So a lot of time, people think real estate. You got to have money. You got to have your own money, right? Now you got to have money, <laughs> obviously, right? You're buying a piece of property. Doesn't matter what it is. You got you exchange dollars for property, right? Mm -hmm. What they don't realize is that it doesn't have to be their money. It can be somebody else's money. And they go, well, you know, if I'm buying a house for, you know, $100,000 and the and the bank is going to give me 50 or 70,000, well, I need, I need to come up with that 30. Well, they don't understand that that 30 can be somebody else's money, right? That's that's a misconception that, that they think that I I got to how do I go out and and buy a 10 unit property or even a 2 unit property for half a million dollars and let's say I got to come up with uh, 20%, that's $100,000. I'm a guy making $100,000 a year and I got two kids. How do I even buy a freaking duplex? Mm -hmm. Well, you get somebody else to come in as an investor. And that's something that they really don't understand, right? Um, the other thing is they think they need to do it all by themselves, that they got to have all the answers and all the all the solutions and, and everything. But, you know, that's not true. You know, what I work with people is first, I want to know what lifestyle you want to have because we want to build this to revolve around your lifestyle. Because there are people that say, listen, man, I hate my job. I want to be out in six months and I'm done. I never want to see that thing again. And I want to travel and right. That's one type of lifestyle. And then you have another lifestyle where it's someone, a guy like myself, let's say or a woman like myself that has two kids and they're in school and they're in high school. And, you know, we're not going anywhere and they may have a job and they love their job and they like what they do. They want to add another two, three, four thousand dollars to their income so that they can, you know, live worry-free because they, they enjoy what they do. You know, the guy's a, you know, an engineer, a doctor, or, you know, whatever it is, but they love what they do. Right. And they want to supplement or they, they want to be able to start, continue on their path on their, with, with their, with their employment and build up that real estate income to where it's that same level every single month. And then they can leave their job. Right. So, I work with them on that. What kind of lifestyle do you want? And then from there, I say, okay, let's build that team to help you achieve what you want. Because if you want to add two, $3,000 to your current cash flow, it's a different head than, hey, man, you know what? I want to make $150,000 a month. I want to buy multifamily. I want, to, I want to jet set. I want to go out there and do that. All right. That's a different type of team, right? That we're looking for. Okay. That's a different mind. That's a different thing. We need, we need to plan this out differently, right? But the other guy says, you know what? I just want to buy a duplex or even a fourplex or a tenplex maybe and start off slow and manage that and do that and, and go for it, right? So that's another mindset. So I 
two misconceptions. I need my own money and I got to do this on my own. Where do I start? I don't I have nowhere. I have no idea what to do. How do I know I'm doing it right? How do I know I'm buying a property? How do I know how to value the property? Nice. I love both of those. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to invest in the private lending and debt side of real estate? You might find that going out and finding borrowers on your own is tough. When you find a borrower, you have the task of evaluating their plan all on your own. And the traditional way of lending private money highly concentrates your risk because you'll probably be funding the whole rehab loan on your own. That meant writing loan checks well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, placing a lot of risk in individual borrowers and properties. Not to mention, there's a lot for you to know in terms of how to structure these loans so that you can help protect yourself and work with the borrower in your interests. Now, there's a new way to invest in the debt side of real estate that turns the private money lending space on its head. You can invest in a variety of debt instruments with this new platform with as little as $10 in each opportunity. You can diversify your investment across a wide variety of borrowers, geographies, and asset types. This new platform is called ground floor. They make it easy to invest in either your name or using your self-directed IRA. And if you don't already have a self-directed IRA, don't worry. They make it easy to get started and get one opened. Go to www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor to get started, or click the link in the show notes. See the ground floor site for full terms and details of what they offer. Once again, that's www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor, or click the link in the show notes. Back to the show. All right, Nitsan, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Let's do it. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Best investment uh, was uh, in my wife. Life partner. Important to have. Definitely very helpful. Hey, man, you know, um, I forget who said it. Doesn't make a difference. We'll give them credit when we remember but the person that is whispering in your ear at night will either make you or break you. So you can have, you know, and, and you can have your partner telling you you're awesome. We support you, you know, and they do support you and they make sure that everything, you know, is, is, is there for you to be able to go out and to create the empire that you want for your family. Or there's the one that is always complaining, always, you know, telling you how shitty you are and, you know, going out there and and, and listen, that there are people like that, right? Or, or forget, not even verbally abusive or whatnot, but just don't support you. Don't mm-hmm. believe that what you're doing is the best course of action and will not support you. And, and there are many people, you know, we've been to these events and I've talked to a lot of men and women that say, you know, oh yeah, I'm married. Oh, where's your spouse? Oh, they're home. Oh, how come they're not here? Yeah, they're, they're not into real estate. They don't believe in this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, that, mm-hmm. that, 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 that hurts. It, it doesn't mean that it, you won't be successful. It, it just, it, it kind of, it, it's, it's friction, right? That when you're moving forward, it's that extra friction that you don't need, right? Great so, way to put it. I, I invested in a woman that is intelligent, that will keep me on my toes. And I make it sound like I, you know, picked her out of a line and I said, you No, it was, <laughs> you know, the universe just brought her to me, you know, and I was smart enough to say, okay, that's the one. Nice. Well done. We had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? The worst investment I ever made. Hmm. That's a good question. I would say it was, we bought, my partner and I, we bought a duplex in the South side of Chicago. 
off of a mailing that we did, and we didn't really do any um, due diligence on the neighborhood, on the area, uh, or, or anything like that. We bought it for a ridiculous amount of money. We, you know, it was cheap as, as God knows what, and we should have figured out why. And it was a duplex, two floors. It was already renovated, granite countertops, the whole nine. We were like, oh my God, this is fantastic. All we need to do is bring tenants in there. We brought somebody downstairs. Um, it was in a gang-fested neighborhood. It was, you know, graffiti of gangs, everything all around, everywhere. Every time we had a maintenance guy come in, he had to come with his gun. And he's like, you know, listen, I'm not coming back here. I was just, you know, gunpoint over here, blah, blah, blah. So the woman left to go visit her family and our maintenance guy uh, slash property manager came and he's like, look, man, they, they trashed, they broke in and they trashed everything. They stole the pipes. They stole the copper. They broke the granite. They just tore everything up. Thank God we had insurance. We got the insurance, renovated everything, fixed it up again. It was vacant. We had to get that VPS, you know, where you walk by a vacant property and they have like these metal on the windows and you see like it's like professionally boarded up that's what we had to do or else you know liability somebody goes in and whatnot but before that we had a guy that said he's going to keep dogs in there the dogs ate ate up the carpet crapped all over the place chewed up the walls i mean it, it was a nightmare from the beginning and finally we were able you know the property manager maintenance guy that we hired he was like listen you know i'll buy this off of you i'm like okay let's do it so we did a deal and it was, uh, you know, whatever we had into it, we got the money back. He paid, you know, um, down payment, like a, um, what's it called? Like a rent to own. So we rent, he, we did a rent to own for three years where he paid me rent and he leased it out. And then he bought it from me. That was one of the worst properties and one of the worst investments. Um, but I'll tell you, I learned a lot from that deal. I learned a lot. There are other things as I'm thinking now that, you know, I invested in time and money and that probably were, were terrible, but, you know, as a, as a real estate investment, that was, that was probably the worst, probably the worst. Well, thank you for sharing that story with us. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? What is the most important lesson I've learned? Wow. Well, being a, a New Yorker at birth and at heart and, and whatnot, um, it's trust but verify, okay? And I go, I do that with everyone. Uh, I do that with my kids, with my wife, with my friends. And, you know, I get a lot of times, yeah, well, don't you trust me? No, I trust you. I just have to verify. It's not that I don't trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust that you wouldn't make a mistake on purpose. Mm -hmm. But we're human, right? Things happen. You know, instead of putting in a thousand, you put in a hundred. That's a mistake. I trust you doesn't mean that I don't trust you. And that's why you're there and you're in your position and you're my friend, and you're my spouse and you're, you're, you're my colleague and you're my whatever. It's because I trust you, but I'm going to verify because taking, you know, uh, I'm responsible for people's money. I'm responsible for people's place of residency where they live, right? I'm responsible for people's uh, livelihoods as well, our employees, our, you know, our employees, employees. And I have to verify everything that goes on because it's my responsibility. It's not anybody else's responsibility. Okay. That's, that's the, that's the one thing. And it goes into all different aspects when you're doing due diligence on a property, right? I always tell 
and teach and do whenever there's an inspection happening and we're buying a property, I'm there personally. Mm -hmm. I will be on site. When we're selling a property and the buyers are bringing their inspectors to do their inspections, I'll be there because I need to make sure that if they say, hey, you know, we found this, well, I wasn't there. I can't really verify that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and when we're doing our due diligence, right, to verify, when we're going over the numbers, when we're, when we're um, you know, when the property management company is doing the lease audits and checking, I'm, I'm there and I'm asking them, have, what have you found? Show me what you found. Uh, have we found any? I'm there. It doesn't mean I don't trust them, but I have to verify because if something goes wrong, my investors will say, well, how come you didn't know? Right? Why didn't you check? Why did you? Why did, yeah, why did you create this pro forma? And if you didn't verify this pro forma, if you didn't check this pro forma, if you didn't dive into it and make sure that it was sound, how could you pass that on to us and raise capital through that, right? So if I'm having an underwriter underwrite, trust, but verify, okay, in anything in life. Nice. Well, Nitsan, thank you for joining us today, teaching us a lot of great lessons ranging from your experience, uh, say, overcoming your situation there in Portugal, and then expanding to where you are today as a multifamily investor. If folks want to reach out, if they want to track you down on the internet, they want to get in touch or any of that great stuff, where can they track you down? Sure. So uh, you can check out my uh, coaching website, which is www.success. Nope, sorry. It's www.traveling-investor.com. Uh, and my uh, real estate website is www.investwithcip.com. And uh, I'm on all social media platforms as the traveling investor. So feel free to reach out. You can reach me on Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, Facebook, um, YouTube. I have a YouTube channel called the Traveling Investor YouTube channel. You know, I, I give a lot of great free content over there. Uh, we go over numbers and calculations and how different asset classes and asset types and management. So there's a lot of good free content on my uh, on my YouTube channel. Awesome. Well, thank you for all that. And thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me the warm and fuzzies because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the share the show with them and bring them into the, into the tribe. Don't, for, don't forget to subscribe to the show and catch us on your favorite podcast app every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.